Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the tirade film movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm also an overweight English teacher. This is oh, not, I'm not really looking good. forward to this autobiography we're talking about today. Um, no, I'm, I'm Will, Will Johnson, ELA teacher. This, this is going to hit home. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives. Wash away any place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. In order to add more weight to this particular podcast, we have not one but two guests to join us and i feel like our combined weight if we were a wrestling four-man team maybe could cut calls to brandon frazier's weight in the whale because we're going to talk <laughs> about darren aronofsky's the whale and joining us this week are lauren knight of la knight uh i can't say productions it's more it's more I, of the I'm consulting gonna... variety of a production. Yeah. Okay. I know. I can't like hold on here. Like what? I don't want to make up movies that she's making. Uh, joining Lauren on our dais today is Barbara Vandenberg of USA Today. Welcome back. Long time no talk, Barbara. Thank you for having me. Um, you might regret having me, but thank you for having me. No, never. never. We could never do never. that. I mean, no. we, I mean, I think there was one. I think you're in one of our missing episodes, and I think that mm. was probably because you embarrassed us so bad we erased it. But, um, oh, but Phantom I mean, Thread, you, I miss it. Mm. Was it was it uh, Phantom Thread? We lost yeah, we, Phantom we, Thread. We were all on the same like page on that. We all liked that movie. We did. did. Like. We did. We did. Yeah. This one, not so much. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> So our format is going to be this, ladies and gents, Uh, the recommending lover. Well, between our two guests, we have one lover and we have one hater. The lover will go first. They will get their five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their harmonic case. Any hater will follow second with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints in any manner of intellectual scorched earth. After that, our the two hosts of the Cinephile History Podcast are a little bit love and a little bit hate. Well, we will take our turns as well to do our own five minutes. After that, we'll open it up for about 30 minutes of shared conversation where the Hissy Fit really gets chippy. And I do mean chips on top of pizza chippy. So here we go, ladies and gents. Lauren Knight, after a grueling rock, paper, scissors battle that was off screen, because <laughs> this is a podcast where you can't play rock, paper, scissors, but it looked good and it sounded good, folks. She's going to go first more than anything because she loves the movie. So five minutes to you, Lauren. Hi. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I did love this movie. Um, okay. So listen, yes, I love Brendan Fraser. I am partial to him. Um, but I, I am aware that there are criticisms and in a way that I'm, I'm actually really glad that I'm going first because, uh, I'm already nervous because I hate confrontation. And if you pressure me long enough, I'll probably just change my mind and be like, whatever you want me to say. Um, so at least I get to go first and I don't have to be like, ah. um, okay. So I have four minutes left. Here we go. Um, I really, so I knew that this was based on a play. And if you look at the original actor who, who did uh, play this, it's been done multiple times. Um, a very offensive looking, in my opinion, uh, fat suit that looks super fake was used and the actor looked pretty terrible because they did nothing to enhance like his jawline or jaws or anything like that. So it was basically little head, big suit, uh, you know, fat man, little coat kind of in reverse. Uh, Brendan Fraser has always struggled with his weight. He put on weight for this film, but it wasn't enough. Uh, and I'm I'm glad about that because getting up to that weight is unhealthy for anyone. So he did actually put on weight. Uh, I had read somewhere where it was he was about 250 pounds before he then put on uh, the fat suit on top of it. Um, but he has always struggled with his weight. He struggled with de- with with depression and PTSD. And so I don't I think there are far worse choices, you know, like you could have cast Jared Leto in this role or something, for example. Um, so I'm aware of the controversies. Uh, I have struggled with my weight my whole life. I'm currently 30 pounds heavier over the last two years than I should be. Can't seem to lose it. And, um, so I, I take offense to people who say this movie is only liked by skinny people who have never had to struggle with their weight, uh, because I struggle with it every day and I really love food. Um, so that was TMI, but, uh, I just want to say that they did also search for 
a larger actor. Uh, Darren Aronofsky is quoted as saying, there was a chapter in the making of this film where we tried to research actors with obesity. Outside of not being able to find an actor who could pull off the emotions of the role, it just becomes a crazy chase. Like if you can't find a 600 pound actor, is a 300 pound actor or 400 pound actor enough? Um, so it, they're, they're not blind to the casting of it. They're not blind to the, the, the fat suit controversy of it either. They did meet with the Obesity Action Coalition. They are thanked in the film, and there's actually a whole page on obesityaction.org dedicated to the whale that explained why they participated and everything like that. You can read it on your own, but they talk about use of prosthetics. They talk about Brendan Fraser as the lead. They talked about why they participated, how they participated. So I of, of movies out there that that have been insensitive, you know, deemed insensitive or a really bad look, um, I think we could do a lot worse with the whale and just like any movie a movie only tells the story of certain people or some people's you know stories not every film you know is every black person's experience or every latinx person's experience or every fat person's experience um so i just i really love this movie i i it did get a little melodramatic at times but i thought it had one of the most like powerful endings and memorable endings that I had seen in a long time, maybe since Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I just really loved this movie and I ached for this man. I did empathize with him. I did sympathize with him. We've all lost someone to, to suicide or to, to depression. So I just, I thought this movie was great and I was really happy that this is a comeback role for him. We're on a Brendanaissance and I couldn't be happier. And I do think as much care as possible was taken uh, with this film. Lastly, the play itself won many awards, including a GLAAD award. There's been some discussion about not casting a gay actor. Um, but it, it, it's also, uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ approved allegedly with the GLAAD awards. But anyway, my time is up, I think. Bye. Lauren, well done. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh no she avoids she's out for the show guys confrontation's coming right next but no, 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 no barbara barbara will do great i like lauren so i'm not lauren i'm not here to um i'm not like here us to, i'm like the two I'm, guys she doesn't I like, like us. lauren i'm not here to criticize you and i'm not here to change your mind i do want to learn from you and why this movie moved you so much because i despised it I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> I like. I don't even have five minutes in me to talk about why I despise. <laughs> I just despised it. I re my body rejected this movie the way Brendan Fraser's body rejected like the fifth pizza he ate in that one scene. Like I I hated this movie. It and I love Brendan Fraser. Fr Fraser. I know we all want what's best for him. I know that he's been through a lot and that he disappeared from cinema for a long time. I find his personal story as a human being, as an actor, really affecting. I do wish the best for him. I'm glad he's back. So this isn't a criticism of Brendan Fraser or his performance because I feel like he did what he could with extremely flawed material. Um, so I don't want to okay. criticize him as a human being um, or as an actor, but to me, this felt like my 600 pound life as a chamber drama with about the same, like, lack of ultimately humanity. I didn't find his character one with any depth, to be honest. And I, ethical concerns aside, I hear everything that you just said about the care that was put into getting the ethics right. I don't think they nailed it. I appreciate that an effort was made. Um, all of that aside, if you took all of that out of the equation, I still found it such a thuddingly obvious movie. You have an obese man trying to walk around his apartment reciting from an essay on Moby Dick. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> um, I mean, I really don't have that much more to say about this movie other than, like, my body rejected it. My brain rejected it. My heart rejected it pretty much instantly. It took me, it honestly took me like two days to watch. I had an, uh, an Oscar screener, like I had a DVD of it and I had to watch it in like 15 to 20 minute increments because I was just so fed up with it after about that span of time. But I knew I had to finish it because it might win awards and there's Oscar buzz for Brendan Fraser and I knew people were going to be talking about it. So I, I kind of had to force myself to finish this one. And I say that 
sadly, because I've liked I've liked a number of Darren Aronofsky's previous films. Now I've had diminishing returns with his films in recent years, and I'm really scared to go back and visit the ones that I think I love after watching this movie. That's how much I hated it. And that's it. That's all I have to say. I'll dig it twice. <laughs> all right, Barbara, thank you so much. All right, Will, the conflicted right. four stars come from you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, I, I'm like, I'm agnostic on Darren Aronofsky. Like, I've enjoyed many of his films. Um, so I didn't go into this one like expecting something specific. I just I go to all his films, just kind of like like I I love Black Swan. I enjoy Re- well, I don't enjoy Requiem for a Dream, but I you know I, I appreciate that one. Um, I really like the Fountainhead, and actually my favorite film of his is Noah because I actually like how that tackled um, a lot of fanaticism with religion, and I thought that was really fascinating. So Noah is actually my favorite film of his, which I know is kind of a hot take. Um, but, you know, I wasn't coming into this one thinking like, oh, there's going to be so much, so much Aronofsky, Aronofsky-isms that it's going to put me off or I'm going to really love it or whatever. He's just kind of a director. I, I'll, I'll be interested in his project. Um, and as someone who has, has had weight problems his whole life, and, I, you know, like Brendan Fraser being 250, I'd love to be 250. I'm about 300, so I'd love to be that. I'm a taller gentleman. I'm kind of everyone's always surprised when they find out that's how much I weigh, but I have a lot of problems with uh, food is kind of my stressor. And um, so I, 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 not to the extreme that, you know, he has in this movie, but I totally get that idea of like eating yourself into a coma to make yourself feel better. Like, so I don't take too much, like I'm not offended by it. Like I can't speak like, you know, if I see um, a movie about black culture, I can't say like, well, that's not my experience. Because it isn't my experience, but when it comes to t- people talking about weight, and I see people that are offended about the obesity shaming or whatever, mm-hmm. I just kind of go, "Well, whatever." I mean, I'm I'm big, and I I'm not offended, so I, I'm not offended by any of that stuff. I, I actually think that we're and Don and I have talked about this. I think we're all a little too sensitive. I'm not saying everybody just in this episode, but in general, people are just too sensitive about this stuff. I mean. If you remember when Avengers Endgame came out, there was a whole thing about Fat Thor, and it was just like, Jesus Christ, like, okay, like, that's how people, you know, that are depressed go through stuff. I can I can speak for that personally. So I think we, we're, there's a lot of outrage culture that we're in right now, and so I'm just going to look at it as a film only. I'm not worried about the controversy of that, and I do like the efforts that were made. I think that primarily the fault is... I mean, you can tell when something is mean-spirited. Like, this isn't like Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me with Fat Bastard, okay? This isn't like, you know, them making clear fat jokes or something. This is, maybe the gaze of the camera is a little too exploitative, perhaps. And, and that that's on the fault of the director and the cinematographer, but I don't think it's mean-spirited. But as a film, I, I, I did give this four stars, but yeah, there is a lot of <sighs> reservations I have with it because... Like uh, movies that were plays always have a little bit of difficulty translating to the screen sometimes. And I, and I enjoy plays and I, I've, I've been to Broadway plays and off Broadway plays and I enjoy them very much. Uh, sometimes they do have trouble uh, translating to the screen. Uh, this one has that problem because there is, since there isn't a lot of uh, movements and scene changes, you do get, actors maybe overacting a little bit. I, I I was kind of a little disappointed in like Sadie Sink, who I think can be a little bit more su- subtle. I thought that Samantha Morton, who's usually very reliable, was a little too was a little too much. And Brendan Fraser at times was a little much. But like you said, they're not working with necessarily a movie script. They're dealing with a play script being translated to a movie. So I'll give them that. Um However, I was absolutely enthralled with Hong Chow. It's one of my favorite performances of the year. I thought she was incredible as kind of like the nurse best friend, you know, former, um, you know, the sister of the of Brendan Fraser's lover. Um, I thought she was fantastic. She's having a stellar year this year with that in the menu. Um, and um, I and like I said, I do kind of am a sucker for like long dialogue stuff from plays. I, I do enjoy that. Um, I did not like the ending. Um, I, I thought that was a little too obvious. And I, I do think the camera 
focuses a little bit too much perhaps on the destructive nature of what this person, Brendan Fraser, is going through. However, I did read a lot of stuff where people are saying, like, we glorify or at least never question, you know, severe alcoholics or sex addicts or drug addicts in movies. We actually feel sorry for them. And but and it and it seems in a certain way that it might be quote unquote sexier of a material because uh you know eating you feel like I've always felt this, you know, people you always feel like someone's judging you when you eat. I hate eating in front of people, I hate people seeing what I'm eating because I feel so self-conscious about my body. So I think that like focusing on the eating thing, people aren't used to necessarily seeing that outside of a comedic context, and people don't know how to Except that, unlike something like another kind of addiction that's out there. So, you know, there's definitely some issues, but overall, I mean, I, I think it was a good movie. I just, I, I don't feel confident saying it's a great one. Well done, sir. Well done. Oh, I got to finish this being very in the fence and in the middle as well. So, um, for me, um, I'm the same way. I kind of try to key into this and take this as a film and, and do it in that kind of way. Also with that awards thing in mind, I got to see this at a, at a, at a screening in a theater in a crowd of all just press. So, you know, the, it would, I, I would imagine, I would be very curious to see this in a communal experience where like, I wonder how a general audience would react and kind of gasp at some of the moments that were, that were there in this film, but in a, in a tight lip press room, it, it, it just played, played just tricky you know and almost, i don't want to say flat but just tricky and um i think what i what i gravitated to and i i couldn't help but gravitate to was brandon fraser um i really underneath the fat suit and underneath the, the whatever cgi prosthetics are also possible in there a little bit but uh his the way he furrows his eyes his dulcet voice his blue eyes um still come through where i don't it's not charm but it's just that idea of charisma and heart of that actor is there and it for me much like where lauren kind of keyed in i felt that in his performance and i i really i, I kind of gravitated to the way he was saying i'm sorry all the time like it kind of it starts really early where you just kind of peppers conversation with it where it's kind of a you know um you know it's he it's more of a tacked on cordiality nervous tick kind of thing that he does and but you start to kind of realize like when he when it's said and kind of how it's said and how Brendan does it, and obviously this is material from the play and how the play wants to do this, but like where this guy tries to kind of apologize for little things, big things, and things in between, I really just got a lot of just what what Lauren said, the sympathy and empathy out of what Brendan Fraser was doing out of that character. And I just really appreciated what he was up to and what he was doing, where yeah, I I I I'm glad he's back. I'm glad this is a fantastic performance that he can kind of hang his hat on, um, and, and and either just fulfill some confidence, put put to you know bury a few demons for himself, and and get some swagger and confidence back because yeah, I think he just comported himself very very well in this movie. I, and to kind of balance off of where Will's going, I think the person that helps that the most is Hong Chow. Um, I would love to see a movie where it's just the two of them, where you have the sister of the departed lover and the remnants of their you know connections and relationship being played out alongside of their you know obviously his medical emergency and condition where when those two are are busting each other up a little bit and and just trying to kind of i don't know heal and enable and just that that tug of war between uh, you know just resign to one's fate but also trying to do something more get get clarity get clearance whatever you want to call it i those the scenes with the two of them were just outstanding where i could give a shit about ty sheridan and sadie sink where they are just detestable your typical teen characters dialed to 12 with every dumb you know mannerism in the world that that, that some writer thinks a millennial is going to do for sadie and then what some writer thinks a holy roller is going to do for ty and i just i didn't get much out of either one of those characters i felt like those whenever they show up i'm checked out of the movie um, Samantha Morton was okay in terms of trying to bring some gravitas to the end, but, uh, more than anything, I just wanted to see, or I, I just kind of, I, I lean back to wherever Chow and Frazier were together because that, that's where magic was for me. That's where drama was. And the part of the movie that, that kind of sinks it is, is the Aronofsky-ness of it. You know, the, 
it's you have Matthew Libatique doing his little, like you kind of said with the camera work, just kind of being probing kind of in those places where he just kind of wants to make things look more ominous than they really need to be. The score by Rob Simonson is a mess of ominousness where ominousness isn't necessary. And it just, yeah, it's when Aaron Nosky shows up and puts his imprints on it, you ruin a good thing. And I think Brendan and Hong, Hong I should say, are, are two of those really good things. But uh, I can't wait to see where this goes in terms of shared conversation, but I'll put my minutes down. All right, um, let's take a quick break for a short announcement from our non-corporate partners and friends. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at Ruminations Radio Network. Dot com. All right, welcome back. Yeah, open discussion, folks. Here we go. I just want to start out by saying that I do agree with something that you just said, um, Don, about, well, a couple of you have praised Hong Chao's performance. That was the one thing I genuinely liked about a movie mm. I otherwise despised was Hong Chao's performance. And if you yeah. could rewrite this to just yes. be an interaction between yeah. Hong Chao and Brendan Fraser's character oh. and just be about getting into the marrow of that yep. dynamic that I would be interested in seeing. Oh my gosh. Totally. I'll take 90 minutes of that right there. Just like, cause she, I love, I mean, she has, like I said, that pendulum between kind of enabling him, but then at the same time, giving it like, just not taking his crap, trying to get him through things and it, but it's just well, the difficulty and you get a hint of it because of what they're, you know, obviously the former lovers were there with her brother. And I would just, I would, I'd see 90 minutes of that in RB. I felt like she was the most complicated character. I feel like she was a Easily. more interesting, more complicated character than Bridget Fraser's character. Again, oh, because she's, Part, partly enabling, she feels some kind of of fealty to this man. She feels a kind of guilt. She feels a kind of connection. And, and there are these warring sensibilities within her between knowing that what she's doing with him interpersonally is wrong, but also mm-hmm. knowing that she can't fix it, but also feeling incredible guilt. Like, she's just an incredible character. And then I just saw the menu last night. Um, mm. and was just, I didn't, I didn't realize she was in that as well. And I was like, Oh, great. And she was phenomenal in that too. Like what a year for her. Yeah. She's having a, she's having a banner year. And uh, I agree with you on that one. I mean, cause yeah, like you would see, like you could see some stuff in her eyes. Like, you know, she's given him the meatball sandwiches and she knows I shouldn't be doing this. Like I shouldn't be feeding this you know, this, uh, this problem, but at the same time, she's like, well, he's also my friend and I love him. And then you get mad at him. And like, yeah, she, she had the bulk of like the three dimensionality that I think some of the other characters lack. Like, I think Frazier is good, but, um, I think that his character is almost, um, messianic in how optimistic he is, you know, with Mm. life in terms of like how he'll see through anything. You know, like yeah. he'll he'll see the positive through anything. And it's kind of like, I wish I had a little bit more of that, the Han Chao, like, uh, grayness instead of the black and whiteness that I think Frazier has as a character. Does that black and white, does that super chipper positivity of that character, does that come from the play? Would that be just more of a position of that? I don't Lauren, know. You, I didn't. Saw, right? Lauren, did you see Wait, the play? What? No, all I didn't know. I didn't see it. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> Just if you know, it was a uh, Broadway or off Broadway. And then there's been community theater like productions and stuff. And I was just yeah. talking about how offensive they do like the prosthetics for that. Mm. Um, yeah. So I Googled it. Gray I, I, is there, you know? I, I Googled it after you like mentioned it in your speech yeah. and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like that, <laughs> that, that, I'm like, we could have had that. You guys, we could have had yeah. that. It looks like those, like, you know how people get those blow-up sumo wrestler suits and they have, like, pretend blow-up sumo wrestler fights? That's what it looks like, honestly. Oh, my God. I just looked it up. (laughs) I told you. Whoa. Also, Don, you said something else I agree with. That's, okay. that's 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 like a record, right? You've said two things I, that I agree with about a movie so right? far. 
no, I don't lose started. this recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. But you you talked about like how the Aronofsky ness kind of mm-hmm. gets in the way of the story, and I completely agree. And I feel yeah. like he was I feel like he was scrambling a little bit because Aronofsky is a director, and I don't hate Aronofsky. I've liked, uh, I really like The Wrestler, which is yeah. That's my favorite Aronofsky movie. I feel like this shares a ton of DNA with The Wrestler, which makes me really scared to go back and revisit The Wrestler. But you've got like a father who's failed his daughter and the daughter's really angry about it. And, you know, there's a there's a I just feel like there's a lot of similar DNA, even though we're talking about different problems. The sort of like dad who's failed his daughter, who's now angry with him. Energy is in that movie as well. Um, But he's a director who's long relied on camera movement and weird editing and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um there's like there's there's a lot of stuff in an aronofsky film like Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen requiem for a dream in a while like go back and watch that there's a lot going on in any given like 30 seconds of film and he's sort of robbed of that dynamic here because it's a it's a chamber drama that's confined to a single space and Mm -hmm. But I feel like his negative tendencies as his director are magnified because of that. Yeah, I agree with that. It doesn't. I feel like if this was, like, if this was the seventies, this would be like a Hal Ashby talky thing, like coming home. You know, like this would be, Mm. this would be done softer, easier, but still uh, potent enough. You know, I just I don't I don't know if this is a problem with the screenplay or the original play or not. But like the other thing is it does feel like we were talking about Hong Chow being kind of this really uh, three dimensional character. Like I kind of feel like when Sadie Sink comes on, it's a whole different movie because she's doing a whole yep. different mm-hmm. thing. When Ty Sim- oh, yeah. Simpkins comes on, I think it's like this Paul Schrader wannabe kind of thing, like, you know, about religion. And that's a whole different thing. Like, I, I never mm-hmm. feel like all these characters together fit in the same universe, like uh, of this world. It. You know what I mean? They just they feel I so agree. disparate and separate from each other. So those characters are in the play, which I guess was maybe based on a book. I don't know, but I know the nurse character, the daughter character, and the missionary character are in the play. Um. Yeah, so I, think- I don't, but I don't know how they're played. Or mm. utilize, you know, in the play. Um, I do agree with Sadie. Like, I was on the fence about her with Stranger Things, too. And I never, ever, ever tried to, like, disparage the acting of a child. Uh, but, like, everyone was praising her performance. And I was like, I don't know. It just seems very one like, note. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Very one note. Um, so I, I do. I do agree. I do agree with you there that I, I did care the least. Um, I wanted him to like repair his relationship, but I still cared the least about her and mm-hmm. uh, Ty when they were on screen. Yeah. And this is just to interrupt for just a second. Samuel Hunter is the writer of the play. This is his right. first screenplay. So he actually wrote the play and the screenplay. Well, and I feel well, like the film that happens. Yeah. I appreciate hmm. when that happens, but there are a lot of films that are based on plays that feel like plays set to film. And this is one yes. of them, right? Yes. Like it feels yeah. less cinematic to me, which is weird because I think of Darren Aronofsky for all of his faults as being ambitiously cinematic. Like even when it oh, doesn't sure. hit, he's trying for something ambitious sure. and cinematic. And this feels the opposite to me. This feels like we, we, we performed a play and set a camera up in the corner of the room for most yeah, of see, it. That's see, I, I didn't know this was a play. And then about halfway through the movie, I was like, this was a play. Wasn't it? Like, it, <laughs> you can kind of like, you can you, cause, oh, cause you know, like um, a couple examples, like, and this, benefits from and this is where i also hold up fraser a little bit to others because like i the the first two play movies that come into my head are fences with denzel Mm -hmm. and viola davis who are like powerhouses and then the Mm -hmm. father was also a play i believe with anthony hopkins where he won the second oscar so like i think of those and i think of you have a performance that's so you know up there that it, it rises above the trappings of the play movie. But also like when you had uh, the father, you know, the, the, 
the cinematic part of it was you were able to mess with the concept of Alzheimer's and like, what is he mm-hmm. seeing is real and isn't like they were able to kind of. That was a the, really good adaptation of a play. Yeah, they were, they, they were able to take the play out of it and make it cinematic. I totally agree mm-hmm. with you on this one. This one, like I, as I was going through it, I was, and Fences is the same way. Like Fences pretty much only takes place like in the backyard of a house, but like, and I knew it was a play before, but because of Denzel's direction and Denzel's powerhouse performance, Viola Davis's performance, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I was able to forget that. I never forgot yeah. um, that this is a play once I realized it was. And that also goes, and I, I'm going to segue into this one. I want to know what you guys think about this. Um, and Don disagrees with me a little bit. We talked about this off air, but uh, I am, like for me, my performance of the year is Colin Farrell and Banshees of Inisherin. Like that's that's my performance of the year. This one, I feel like the, Fat suit does a lot of the uh, no pun intended heavy lifting for the <laughs> performance. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. I'm not saying it's not a bad. I'm not saying it's a bad performance at all. I'm just saying yeah. that like I think that what the character is supposed to be in terms of this severely obese character with this you know augmented fat suit kind of thing. I think that does a lot of the work for him. You know what I mean? Like, and- I, I agree with you, Will. I agree okay. with you. And I and I feel like it's not necessarily, I'm not, I think Brendan Fraser does fine. I think it's the material that's flawed. And I think it's the filmmaking that's flawed. I think he's fine. Again, I want the best for him. I want him to come out of this award season, whether he wins or not, like getting the best roles of his career. I really do want that for him. So I'm not criticizing him personally, but I feel like so much of the film is relying on the viewers kind of, and I think this is where a lot of, I think this is where a lot of the criticism of the film comes in. And I want to, I want to stipulate that like, I'm not offended by the film. I'm not personally, I haven't dealt with, with issues of obesity and being overweight. So I'm, I'm sensitive to other people's perspectives who have dealt with that. Like I, I, that's not where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. but I feel like just from an artistic perspective, from a storytelling perspective, the film and the camera are relying on viewer horror and disgust with bodily functions with the yeah. fat suit. And I feel like that's doing a lot of the dramatic, like you said, I'm sorry, heavy lifting yeah. versus whatever Brendan Fraser is doing underneath all of that. Well, seriously, what, what, Lauren, the, what first, the first time we see this character, what is he doing? He's masturbating. And it's like, you're, you're so like, you're right. trying <laughs> to understand like what, like, I mean, I mean, anybody masturbating, like if you walk in on anybody masturbating, it's going to be weird. It wallows in disgust like that. I'm not saying like, fat, yeah. I'm, uh, to be, to be clear, I'm not saying fat people are disgusting. Not that, not at all right. what I'm saying. I, no, but I it's a lot of like bodily functions, masturbation, throwing up, the body failing. Mm, I mean, it's a, it's sweat, it's yeah. Re- yeah, it's relying on the viewer being like repulsed by something, and I feel like that's what people are emotionally reacting to mm-hmm. in thinking the movie is offensive. What do you think, Lauren? Um, sorry, you guys. Uh, the edible kicked in, so. <laughs> Wow. I'm just, wow. That's doing I'm just the show listening right, right there. and okay. I'm taking it all in. I'm really sorry. I'm listening to everything, <laughs> taking a little bit longer to process. I'm two um, beers the... in. I'm two beers in, so <laughs> I'm going to be following you on this train. I love it. Um, it kicked in around the time, I think, of... of of uh, maybe like Will's summary. Oh, I was right. like, oh no. <laughs> I see. You, need, you need drugs, you need drugs awesome. to get through my take on it. Wonderful. Exactly. No, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, you know what? Like I'm an alcoholic, s- so. Do you think the, do you think the fat suit does all the heavy lifting, Lauren, or is there, is Brent, is there more, is there more Brendan there than a suit? I, I think there's, more Brendan in there, but I think I also choose to see that. Like, I think I've got mm-hmm. rose colored goggles on when it comes to him. Um, because I do love him so much and I do want him to succeed. And I, I, you know, um, I want him to get like the acclaim and the justice and the best ways to like be successful and come out on the other yeah. side. Sure. Um, so you know what you guys have convinced me 
Ooh. to slightly lower my score. Oh, Barbara. Which I feel like has almost never happened except with Aaron and Avatar, where I increased it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now, the first Avatar, when Aaron and I went to go see it again in IMAX oh. together, I ended up right. having to revise my whole stance on Avatar, and he lords that over me. <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> Yeah, you don't want to get me started which, on the whales in that fucking movie, the second No, one. no, it's not, yeah. In which direction did you change your stance on Avatar? Did you go from, like, loving it to slightly less loving it, or vice versa? No, vice versa. The first Avatar, oh. I went okay, from, okay. like, I, I increased it to, like, a four-and-a-half star movie or something. Nice. Okay. Oh. Yeah. All right. Okay. Whereas before, I'm, yeah, it was, like, in the, the middle. Was the edible kicking in then, too, or? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was in 2009? Come on. Now, okay, now I will say this about the whale. I Okay. I know I came on really strong and said I despised it, and I do, but <laughs> I will give it I will give it a little bit of leeway in that there's not a lot of precedence yeah. for having a fat character be sympathetically your your lead in a drama. There's not True. a lot of that in Hollywood, right? Yeah. And so there's no. not a there's not a playbook for that. There are movies like I can't even think of that many. Like Precious comes to mind, which is also about, about yeah. horrible things happening to mm -hmm. a fat person, right? Like right. Yeah. There's not a there's not a playbook for characters like that because there's just simply not a lot of representation that's not comedic or played for jokes well, or yeah, I mean, making fun of them, right? I mean, right. yeah, I mean, yeah, when you think about it, like, the entire Melissa McCarthy catalog that goes the other way. <laughs> well, you, I mean, and John yeah, Candy and well, John Candy, like, the, Chris then Farley. There was, yeah. there was uh, Norm Shallow, from Cheers. His Shallow Hal comes to mind. Yeah. Like, oh, oh my I, God. But when you said drama, Barbara, you're right. There's not a lot. You're not going to get just, many. There's nothing. There's really nothing. Uh, like, Marty, and if you think of you know, you have to Marty, go that back that far. Yeah. And that's, I feel like a reach, but yeah, like, um, uh, quite a reach. Yeah. I mean, it's a comedy, but hairspray, I think is pretty positive, yeah. but I yeah. mean, it's, it's, you got to reach. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, it's interesting. But then Aronofsky wow. takes that and then, you know, does his Aronofsky stuff too, See, where he that, there's no playbook, but then he's like, well, I'm just going to do my own thing and look what we got. So, well, now that Barbara said that I'm thinking about lowering my score too, because Ooh. It is no, it is true. It is true because, like, when I think about it now, like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say this, but maybe okay. Maybe I'll use a Spielberg example. Like, of course, to me, to, to me, I like, like, I think I like the color purple, right? Like, uh -oh. is Spielberg the best person to tell that story? Um, probably not, but he did a noble job trying to do it. You know, and obviously it was it led to things like Steve McQueen directing a slavery movie that maybe is a little bit more authentic or real to that experience or whatever. I don't know. That might be mm -hmm. a bad example. But it, it, uh, what Barbara says is true. There isn't really a playbook. So even if all the intentions are there, uh, good intentions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the way yeah. he films it, the more I think about it, the more exploitative I think it is a little bit in terms of how they focus, like you said, on the bodily fluids and the, yeah. and, and the, 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 uh, I don't want to say the wow factor, but the instinctual, the oh my God, shock value of it, where you're mm -hmm. sort of like, oh, that's, you know, like, yeah, the more I think about it, you know, I just, I'm starting to kind of see that a little bit more, not to the point of everyone saying, I don't think it's fat phobic. I don't think it's mean spirited. Oh, hell no. Think, no. I don't think Same. it's any of those things. I don't think we should be canceling it like people want to do. But I, I, I am seeing a little bit more now, now that I'm diving into it a little bit, because yeah. you, you brought up certain scenes and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. They did do that, didn't they? Oh yeah, they did do that too, where they focused on that. And you know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's starting to get to me a little bit now that I think about it. Like I, I can see a, just a softer hand, like take, oh mm -hmm. gosh, like, I don't know, like Nicole Holofson, you know, like she did, can you ever forgive me with Melissa McCarthy? And I'm not trying to go down the McCarthy thing, but like, just like. You could do despicable, flawed people with heart and with softer hands and still not absolve them automatically because of your softer hand. Like, you, there's, yeah. you, there's ways to do it. You know, I know, you know there's I, a playbook, but. 
I should I should stick to my guns with what I said about Blonde, the movie Blonde, which mm. was that I preferred the moments where you saw the sadness and and hurt in her eyes in like certain scenes instead of showing it. That's another yeah. thing you could have done here. Do I need to see Brandon Fraser necessarily eating a Dorito sandwich on top with jelly and six yeah. pizzas? I don't like. I get it. He's overweight. He has eating problems. Like we don't need to wallow in the actual eating of it. We can understand that someone who's 600, 700 pounds eats a well, lot. And that's, like, that's why I called it at the top, like my 600 pound life as a chamber drama. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but mm-hmm. it's that, that show is very exploitative. It is showing, um, overweight people who need medical and psychological and emotional help who, who have had problems, who are in a delicate health space and it's humiliating. Like it's showing Mm -hmm. them not being able to shower themselves and it's showing them not being able to use the bathroom by themselves. And it's showing you an explicit detail, everything they're eating. And it's not educational. It's not Mm -hmm. building sympathy. It's gawking and i feel like that's the trap i feel like that's the trap the whale falls into with stuff like here he is masturbating here he is vomiting here he is eating an entire pizza again like it it falls Mm -hmm. into the gawking category instead of like the humane build sympathy make me understand this person as a human being category and that's why when hong chow shows up that's the best we're gonna get you know Yeah, no, she, I agree. She and, and Brendan, like their interactions. Um, people have compared this movie to, you know, oh, I liked it better when it was called Leaving Las Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like Will said, sexier vices, you know? But, I mean, that movie is pretty raw. It's pretty vulgar. I remember, like, when he's, you know, skin and bones, and he's, like, trying to have sex with Elizabeth Shue. Like, I was... Mm-hmm repulsed by that like it didn't right. i like because it's it just uh i just you know and so i just where where is the whale different if we keep comparing it to leaving las vegas like was that mm-hmm. was that not as exploitative is it because well it's, I, there's, a, know, play, there's a playbook there's a playbook like barbara said though there's a playbook for alcoholism on film there's a playbook yeah. for drug use on film and I think that, yeah, at the end of Leaving Las Vegas, we can, we can watch Nicolas Cage and look at him and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's, he's like, destroying that casino table. And, you know, he's, you know, completely drunk off his ass or whatever. But at the same time, you're still getting kind of there, – there isn't – it's more of an internal uh, shock value where you're kind of like, ooh, I would never do that. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you're still getting Nicolas Cage. You know what I mean? You're still getting Nicolas Cage doing Nicolas Cage things, you know? This is a broader societal. I mean, I think Lauren brings up a good point. Like that's a broader societal conversation because there is a playbook for alcoholism on film and it's romanticized. Like there are a lot of romantic alcoholics in cinema. There aren't a lot of romantic overeaters or fat people Mm -hmm. in cinema. Right. So it's like, I think she's bringing up a valid point about like what gets romanticized and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. Oh no, no, I totally agree. I'm just saying that I I think that, as it currently stands, like people will be like, oh, I can quote unquote stomach leaving Las Vegas a lot more because not only are they used to seeing that on film, but like you said, there is that glorification of it where it's like you feel this automatic pity for it. And and I think it comes down to the, the you can look at this throughout history. Like, you know, when soldiers came back from World War II and they just called it shell shock. And now we know mm-hmm. that it's PTSD and there wasn't a way to depict it without seeming insensitive, especially in hindsight, you know, it's the fact that we're getting this movie is a step in the right direction, even if it's not like hitting all the marks we want it to. It's not, it's definitely not perfect for sure. We always see eating disorders on screen, but we always see the skinny eating disorders. And so like to, I, I agree. Like, I don't know how you handle something like that. Do I think the story should be told? I yes, I think so cuz that's how you get mm-hmm. you know more stories starring you know m- more overweight people, you know, is mm-hmm. is by but yeah, like should, you know, Darren have maybe been the first 
Um, yeah, well, I shouldn't say the first because yeah. we've talked about Shallow Hal and whatnot. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I'll I'll say I'll, I give it four out of five stars. Now you guys have convinced me a little bit. <laughs> I, I was I mean, a I, think, I was a three out of five guy I'll where I was right at that positive middle. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think what I, I think what we could all after this conversation, I, I think agree to is that we would like to see more stories about fat characters and mm-hmm. that that might go a long way to, to solving issues that we have with the whale. Like, right. Let's create a playbook for how we deal cinematically, not deal. And that's the wrong word, but how we portray cinematically mm-hmm. and, and tell the stories of fat people without it being, a novelty without us yeah. gawking at fat characters. Or right. I like your I like your word of pity, where that can't be the only emotion that is attached to it. Mm-hmm. Like just, yeah. you know, they're they're good people and jovial people too. And like it can't be yeah, it, it you can't that can't be their one character defining trait is the pity we throw on them, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm with you there. And I and I get it, like he's probably gonna win the Oscar because like Hollywood loves good actors that go ugly you know and yeah that's yeah charlie's theron won an oscar for it uh, I, innumerable I, I, people I think, colin, I think colin farrell might have a shot just because like oh no it's he's a two horse race for sure for all, yeah he's been around yeah. for a long time people really like him and that movie is good so yeah it's true well you know a lot of people are we won't get too deep, deep in the weeds with it but i was reading some stuff where like austin butler's climbing up as well making a mm-hmm. three-horse race it's a fine performance well, yeah, too, they, you know they also do love a biopic performance yeah so they definitely yeah. yeah or stories about themselves which is why you know even though i don't care i didn't care for babylon it yeah. might it might get a best picture nom because it's about hollywood oh, It'll make the final <laughs> 10 or final nine. Like that's a movie that's got enough arts and tech to squeeze yeah. into the best picture. Field. They like, so and they like Damien. They like Damien Chazelle, I think. Yeah. I know. I'm a little yeah. worried that they're going to be like, oh no, remember what happened last time? Let's give it to him <laughs> this time. No. Yeah. I, well, they gave him best. They gave him best director. I don't, I mean, I don't think uh-huh. he's really. That's like, true. Yeah. Super. And they, but. and they quote unquote. Like a lot of people said they snubbed him for first man. So I think that era mm-hmm. of, I think the moonlight issue is under the, that's gone. Well, now we got Will Smith to cover all that up with a different kind of thing. <laughs> oh, jeez. So. Oh boy. Well, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Uh, closing thoughts, ladies. Oh, uh, I, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> first. No, I mean, I, I, I do hate this movie very very much <laughs> and i came in hating it and i'm leaving hating it but Good. i am leaving appreciating more mm. that there's no playbook for this kind of film that it was trying for something even if it failed at it i recognize everything lauren said at the beginning about the care that that it tried to take that that the correct steps were taken to treat this sensitively i just feel like after this conversation like we just need more movies with fat characters in them and not as the butt of jokes and that would go a long way to not ending up with a movie like this (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i i agree it's kind of like um having characters in movies just be gay sometimes because like people just are gay, they're straight, they're, you know, so it, it's, it's, it'd be great to just be like, oh, they're just a person instead of like, oh, they're the fat, like best friend mm-hmm. or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, you guys have, have convinced me that it is a flawed film. Um, so I originally gave it four and a half out of five. I still love it. I, I still do. And it still moved me and it, it, I did shed tears. Um, but uh, maybe, you know, some of them might've been for the wrong reasons, you know, based on this discussion. So I'm, I'm mm. open to, to learning. Um, but uh, yeah, I still, I give it four stars now. I give it what okay. will <laughs> initially uh, <laughs> give you, you it. Clowns in, you clowns in your half stars. Come on, man. <laughs> clowns. Clowns. Oh, that was a weird. Half stars are for cowards. <laughs> I agree. What? No. Sometimes it's not fully five stars, but it's more. That's than why four. it's called four. 
Oh boy. No, it's four and a half. Four, Commit. four and Commit. a half is a hedge. You're hedging. Yes. I like hedging. Hedging's like one of my specialties, so there you go. Well, that was a whale of a good time. So let's move oh, the outro. Oh. Planning that. Oh, like since I sat in the theater minutes, like yeah. ten days ago, I was just like, I'm going to use this whole. <laughs> yeah. I'm out, everybody. <laughs> uh, no, Lauren, no, I have to go. <laughs> oh, can you can you tell us real quick where we can find you online? Yes, um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxed at that movie is fine. Um, you can also follow that movie is fine podcast. Uh, surprise, surprise. I do have a podcast um, on, yeah, on been, Instagram. We haven't, been on that. we haven't been on that yet, so I don't know anything about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ain't that some um, shit. But yeah, you can also listen to That Movie is Fine, the podcast, if you want to hear more of my hot takes. <laughs> All right, Barbara, how about you? Where can we see, where can we, uh, see you on social medias and stuff? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Babs Van. And inexplicably, you can find me at usatoday.com. Oh, oh don't forget TikTok now. Come on. Oh, TikTok, no. TikTok where mostly I make TikToks about my boobs. So I, I'm at oh, peace with it. I have decided to I have decided to end my uh, I have decided to end my uh, what do you call it? Uh, my boycott of TikTok. I'm joining yep. it as we speak. Yep, and that's I how to do it. Following Babs Van. No, um, uh, it's, I hate TikTok, but I, I might give good. it a concession at this point. It's gonna uh, test your bandwidth, my friend. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> all right well follow us on twitter at cinephile fit on facebook at cinephile hazy fit podcast and instagram at cinephile fits find both of us by name on letterbox and check out our film reviews and ratings uh don is on tiktok as well also talking about his boobs kind of awkward we are also on rotten tomatoes and our charter so members of the independent film critics of america thank you so much for your loyal viewership in our tussles and for connecting with us on social media Cinephile Hazy Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive and 25YL Media. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.